Hello and welcome back to the This Is Not The Time podcast. In today's Unramble episode will be another personal experience of mine. As with all my other episodes, what am I talking about? Um, anyway, I forgot about this incident, honestly, and only recently recalled it about some weeks ago while I was on a call with my close friends. I suppose this could be a continuation of the inheritance episode, sort of. You can check out Inheritance first to gain some context and get up to speed on things, so you may press pause here. If you're lazy too, um, the Sparks Note summary is it's a series of hauntings in my parents' house where three mystic beings, probably more, I'm not too sure, which were initially. Um, quote-unquote guardians of my late grandmother who then was bedridden and was living with us. These so-called guardians or banjaga were looking to find new vessels or a host, hence years worth of subtle poltergeisty hauntings suffered by me and I think my mother as well. Check it out truly if you want to know how that ends. So Let's begin. This took place two years after the inheritance incident, which is basically last year la. That year, my friends saw how my mental health was declining at a very worrying rate. But it wasn't obvious to me at first. After some continuous mind and soul battering events, it became more clear to me that I was, in fact, very depressed. It was very much so that I was actively thinking about ways to end everything. In fact, I had attempted to multiple times. On the final one, word got to my family and they weren't able to wrap their heads around it. Days later, and as any concerned parent would feel, my mother needed to do something. And her idea was for me to see an orang pandai, or um, um, a faith healer. She was worried it might have been from an incident I had told her about a friend um, from a gym I used to frequent to. But that's a whole different story for another time. Probably, if I remember. So, my mom, she opted to treat me by divine intervention. I mean, I know she meant well, but I never believed in it. When I was diagnosed with a growth in my body, we saw a faith healer. Didn't do much or anything. Their surgery did. When my high school had a mass hysteria and impacted a ripple of hysteria onto nearby schools, hundreds of us squeezed in the auditorium, recited Surah Yasin, but it did nothing. Instead, a series of possessions propagated in all directions from the first student. Well, 
I don't remember how that ended. All I know it was chaos. But right now, thinking about it, I realize how much danger our school put us into. Nonetheless, that happened. I think we grew accustomed to it after weeks and lived and welcomed each day with the morning shrieks of another student possessed. <laughs> Point is, I'm kind of skeptical. But a few of my friends did think I should see one. Seeing how that one time when I tried to jump into a busy highway and not have a single recollection of it. My then boyfriend stopped me after he wrestled me down, thankfully. It was a Tuesday night when I drove us to the healer's house. I weirdly remember that because it was a week after my last attempt. It was just my mom, my aunt, her son, and I in her car. My aunt has... is a jovial person. Although, they felt apprehensive of what might they witness later on, she kept the conversation light. We soon reached the healer's house, normal looking house. We met a normal elderly man, dressed in a white kupia, white shirt, and wore the typical Malay sarong on his waist. We're gonna skip the introduction and how my mom was explaining to the healer that my lack of a life life was obstructed by something paranormal, like a djinn. The healer opened the front door wide open before he sat me down in front of it. I suppose once whatever they'll be expelled from me would shoot projectile out the doorway. He asked me a couple of questions, um, asking me if I'm feeling okay and if I'm in a relationship. My family doesn't know that um, I was in a relationship, that I had a boyfriend that time, so I lied without batting an eyelash. <laughs> Ooh, haram, I stuck for the law. <laughs> oh my god, I'm so sorry. Anyway, uh, the ritual began with me closing my eyes shut. And the healer, who um, was sitting beside, you know, behind me, put the sides of his palm together like um, like a dua and began mumbling prayers to himself. He had been reciting for minutes now with no immediate effect on me. I was beginning to think this was a waste of time. At the end of it, he gave an advice to do my prayers, zikr, and read Quran and hope for the best. <laughs> Oh god. Uh, my mother volunteered herself to be next. And fate has made it for me such that I have witnessed exorcism for the first time. She complained about snapping in anger at almost everything. Well, mom. I'm so sorry. Anyway. Uh, by the time she sat in the same position that I was in, the healer had a shift in his expression. My aunt, her son, and I sat quietly at the sides. The orang pandai approached my mother and placed a hand over her head. When the healer finally started reciting, and this 
This is when things started getting wild. My mother was writhing and rocking viciously as though pain tore through her body. She was yelling, screaming in pain. This is also when the healer told us not to look straight into her eyes or in her general direction. That's great because I don't want to look, but hearing the voices only was was way worse. Her voice had split into two, one of her own and another that's deep, almost like a burly man's. She shouted, Go Xiaopa! <laughs> I'm so sorry, okay. She was shouting, Go Xiaopa! Who are you? Iya aku punya! Jangan ambil aku punya! Out of curiosity, I glimpsed around the room. I saw that my aunt stumbled backwards and opened her mouth to shriek, but no sound came out. Then I took a glimpse of my mom. Her face was engulfed in dense darkness. She cocked her head up, slowly her eyes opened, revealing nothing but white. It's hard to corral a demon or a jinn after all. They don't like being exercised and tend to fight back. Exorcism is tough enough on the possessed as it's forcing a demon or a jinn out of a body so they fight tooth and nail to remain in the host. My mom, who only groaned, wore a pain expression as though she's here against her will. Her eyes still open, as though painfully pried. The healer kept telling the jinn to get out of the body. Ani bukan tempatmu diam. Keluar takau. This is not your place to live. Get out. He continued reciting under his breath while the jinn screamed, Diam! Diam! Quiet! Quiet! Okay, that, I made it sound like a very angry librarian. <laughs> okay, I'm so sorry. This is a scary podcast. I'm so sorry. Um, quiet. <laughs> okay, oh my god. I can't do this. Okay. Okay. Okay, I'm, I have to take a break. I'm sorry. <laughs> I took another glimpse at her. The upper side of her face was flushed and hot red, while the rest remained darkened. Subsequently, her body arched upwards violently as though a powerful force threw her. The easy part was nearly done, with one last convulsion from her forced the gin out. Leaving her fairly well off, all things considered. Completely exhausted, my mother collapsed. Her head fell back to the Oromandai, lying limp. I saw my aunt helping her up, and his son taking his phone down from recording. A minute later, my mom regained consciousness, and her haggard breathing became steadier. She looked like 
she snapped out of what seemed like a daze and made out the faces before her. The healer was um, ex explaining that the djinn was um, um, a big boss. My mom chimed in that she saw it as well. Masa tutup mata tu ada aku nampak benda hitam berdiri di depan sini. Pasar lagi tu. When I closed my eyes, I saw black things standing in front of me. It was gigantic as she pointed in front of her. She explained that that darkness twisted and gained form that barely fit the height of the living room. The orang pandai said it was good that she didn't see its entire being because if she saw its face, it would cause a bit of a problem. The orang pandais and the jinn did stare face to face and through some divine way, he saw the gargantuan castle that was decorated with so much gold where the jinn lives and the jinn was sitting proudly on his golden crusted throne. This is where the real challenge begins. Or the annoying part. I suppose uh, this is like some confidentiality thing, but the Orang Pandai knows who it was from. He just wouldn't tell us. I just assume it's for the best for us to not engage in retaliation, which will cause more pain in the long run for both parties. My mother asked if it's from a relative or an associate. The Rampane only smiled and brushed it off, saying, Allah saja tahu, apa yang si penghantar ratu buat adalah soalan untuk dia sama yang maha besar. Only Allah knows, whatever the sender did is a matter between them and the Almighty. I really don't like vague answers, but he's right. Telling us would ignite a civil war or a vengeance. But knowing someone inside your circle had sent a mission to destroy you, stealing one's happiness and comfort. Someone who can totally take control of your soul and make you do things or harm yourself and others without even knowing it. This is perhaps one of the biggest tests anyone can have. Nonetheless, the Orang Panda advised us a treatment for protection. Mandi air garam and pepper that has been blessed by recitation of Quran verses. And for an additional mandi air bunga or flower bathing, which is it's really just for me, the mandi bunga, not for my mom. Okay. Uh, mandi air bunga is um, to bathe ourselves with the intention of getting benefits from the elements of goodness present in the flowers. But from what was explained to me, it is so define me a match or mate. <laughs> Not gonna lie, I was slightly offended. I want to believe it is always my choice to not get a partner, not because of some gin. My mom was still shaken by the whole ordeal and the fact that someone had gone that far to hurt her. So she didn't want to go home yet. So we went to JP Food Court 
to get some snacks to calm her nerves. As we settled at one of the circle tables at the food court, my cousin let out a surprise to eh? <laughs> I'm so sorry. Turns out, uh, turns out the video recording of my mom's urukia, um, aka exorcism, was missing from his phone. Only my video was still intact. We shrugged it off. I don't know. We just thought it was expected. Then my aunt opened up an interesting conversation about their childhood in Labi. How when when they were kids in their kampong, some villagers would perform ritual dances around a bonfire with headdresses, a spear, and some ritual dress in the dead of night. My mom told us how these performances had like um, spastic movements and how it used to scare them as kids. Awe, adin ni kan ajar kami dulu, tapi eh, nada kumau Yeah, her grandfather wanted to teach us back then, but I really don't want to, my aunt added. We finished our drinks before I sent them home. The drive back was as though nothing happened. Everyone had a good laugh and that was it. I still had to do the mandibunga though, because my mom kept nagging at me. And sorry for laughing so much in this um, episode. I just my translation sucks, and it's just weird for me to speak in Malay. All right, I think uh, that's all for me. Thank you very much for listening into the end, and until the next one, good night.